0: you can be seated. Uh, to all the moms, happy Mother's Day. Uh, we're so uh, glad that you're here. Uh, we're starting uh, a new sermon series today. We'll talk about it more in a few minutes uh, through the book of Proverbs, but I hope today is a, a, a great and, and blessed day for you and that you feel appreciated, uh, as we'll talk about through this message, for all uh, the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you. So let's, uh, let's pray. All right? Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for Jesus and uh, as we kind of examine uh, the idea of work today, uh, we especially want to see, the, see it through the lens of Jesus and the work that he accomplished on the cross uh, for our salvation and so that grace could come in new life, and eternal life especially. Uh, we thank you for that work. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. I want you to think about, uh, on Mother's Day here, what it is that your mother taught you. All right, what, what is it that mom taught you? I heard one person write, my mother taught me about anticipation when she said, just wait until your father comes home. <laughs> my mother taught me about receiving, you are going to get it when we get home. My mother taught me to meet a challenge, what were you thinking? Answer me when I talk to you, don't talk back to me. <laughs> my mother taught me about logic, if you fall off that swing, you'll break your neck and you're not, gonna, you're, you're, you're not going to the store with me if you break your neck, All right, logic. <laughs> My mother taught me about medical science. If you don't stop crossing your eyes, they're going to freeze that way. (laughs) My mother taught me to think ahead. If you don't pass that spelling test, you'll never get a good job. My mother taught me about humor. What what if the lawnmower cuts off your toes? Don't come running to me. Um, My mother taught me how to become an adult. If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. My mother taught me about genetics. You're just like your father. My mother taught me about my roots. Do you think we were born in a barn? My mother taught me about the wisdom of this age. When you get to be my age, you'll understand. And last but not least, my mother taught me about justice. One day you'll have kids, and I hope they turn out just like you, and then you'll see what it's like. Right? One of the things, when I talk to people about kind of what they learned from their mom, One of the things I hear again and again and again is that mom taught me about the value of hard work. Moms are kind of the quintessential mom is kind of known as this hard working energy. I think about my mother, Uh, she grew up on a farm And my mother, she was the energizer bunny. She put my dad, my sister, and I combined to shame. She just was a worker. She grew up that way. Uh, I I think about my wife. She is a homeschool mom, and she she will tell you about half the time that I come home. The first thing I say to her is, "You are a saint." For the job that you're doing and the effort that you're putting in. I know the kids aren't thankful for it today, but you need to know that you are absolutely uh, a saint. And so we have these examples in our life, and you probably have one too. Uh, uh, these examples of these hard-working moms that we've known over, over, over the year, And we just want to, over the years, and we just want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. Like I said, we're starting a new series today on the book of Proverbs. And we're looking at these qualities that are woven all throughout the book of Proverbs. So one of the things as you study the Bible, one of the kind of skills to learn is that I need to know what came before and what comes after a passage so that I can properly understand it. Proverbs is not that way. Every kind of sentence, for the most part, there's some exceptions to this, but every kind of sentence stands on its own and is packed with wisdom and at times humor, as we'll see, and insight on on life. And so we're starting that series today about these kind of qualities that we don't want to have, right? Unlike the kind of hardworking um, mom that, that works with diligence. Proverbs is going to point us to the opposite of that, the trait that we don't want to have. And the word that the book of Proverbs will use again and again and again to describe the antithesis of that is the sloth. Now, the word is used all throughout the book of Proverbs. Sometimes it's, uh, uh, sometimes it's uh, used uh, as sloth or sluggard or slack. One who is slack in their work, and I like. The the Hebrew word that that is in the original text is used to describe a belt. And if you think about it, a belt doesn't have a lot of jobs. My dad figured out a few more with a belt um, (laughs) than than just the one that most people use. Uh, But belts really have one job, and that job is to hold up pants, Right? And so the sloth or the slack person in the book of Proverbs describes someone who's just not doing their job. Their job's to hold up pants. Right? And they're just not doing your job. So as we start this sermon today, as we look at kind of the antithesis, the, the opposite of kind of a hardworking, diligent person, let me ask you this. What is your main job in this world? As a parent? Or tomorrow morning when you wake up and you go on the job or in your family or in this church as a follower of Jesus. What is the thing? The thing in this season of life right now that you feel called to do. The sloth, as Proverbs will say, they're, they're lacking that thing that they're called to do. They're like a belt not holding up pants. And and there's a lot of reasons for it, Proverbs will say. It's hard, or it's too much effort, or I just want to be entertained. Let me show you a few texts. This is from Proverbs 21. The craving of a sluggard will be the death of him, because his hands refuse to work. All day long he craves for more, but the righteous will give him without sparing you probably had a similar conversation with your kids where your kids or your grandkids say, man, I want this video game, or I want this thing, or I want whatever. And you're like, it sounds like you need a J-O-B. <laughs> and it sounds like you need to earn some money, right? The sloth has cravings, but they don't want to put the effort in to solve those cravings. Uh, Those cravings, their desire is not for work. And I also love the comparison in this text between the sloth or the one who is slack in their work and generosity. His hands refuse to do work. He has cravings, but his hands refuse to do work. But the righteous give without sparing. What the the writer of the proverb is trying to get us to see is that work, hard work, is a form of generosity. Right? Proverbs will even go on to say that the, the person who is the sluggard or the sloth, they won't even be generous with themselves. Proverbs 19.24 says, a sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He will not bring it back to his mouth. My daughter loves cereal. She loves cereal in the morning. I would say three quarters of the time in the morning, she asks for a bowl of cereal. You can imagine how crazy it would be if she gets up in the morning and says, I want Cheerios, just like i have the last hundred days. I want Cheerios. So, Cheryl or I, we pour the cereal, we put in the milk, we put her spoon in there, we put it at the table, we set her at the table, we say, Enjoy your cereal, and we walk away. And all of a sudden, we hear like some crying in the dining room. And we come like, Baby girl, what's, what's the matter? What's going on? And she says, I need someone to lift the spoon. I, I can't, I can't, it's too heavy. I, I need someone to lift the spoon to my mouth. And we'd be like, girlfriend, love yourself and lift the spoon. <laughs> love yourself and lift the spoon. There are a lot of reasons why someone may not be able to work and contribute. This is not a sermon series about that. This is a sermon, this is a sermon about those of us that are able to do that. But there's a lot of reasons why someone might, might not be able to work or contribute. But a lot of times, I think what I want to say sometimes is love yourself and lift the spoon. Love yourself and lift the spoon. Put in the effort into this life to make your life what you want it to be. But this isn't just about serving yourself. Work is a form of generosity toward others as well, right? Some of you may articulate this is why you work and contribute in the area that you work and contribute in. That you would say, man, I am doing this to provide for my family so that my family can have the life and experiences that I want them to to have. But it even goes beyond that. It is through the relational work that you are doing with your children that you are giving them a bright and new future. It's through your day job that you are serving customers and hopefully making their day better. It is through your service here at our church that you are helping us achieve our mission of being a growing family, journey together, be more like Jesus, even on a more simple matter. You work so that others don't have to pick up the slack of your lack of work and your shortcomings. Work matters. And I think this is why Proverbs 18 says, One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. There's a family, a, a, a movie that our family loves called Zootopia a Disney movie. And Zootopia is a place where all the animals live in harmony with one another. Uh, Kind of this iconic place where everybody lives in harmony. And Judy Hopps becomes the first bunny ever to join the police force. There's never been a bunny on the police force in Zootopia before. And she is determined to do a good job. And uh, she ends up investigating this missing animal's case. And she has to get over to the DMV to get some valuable information to solve the case about these missing animals. And this is exactly what happens to her next. Let's show the clip. (laughs) A A lot of the kind of Disney clips or whatever that we'll be interacting with are these classic villains. And I wanted to show that because we don't think of slothfulness As a villainous trait at all. As a matter of fact, sometimes when you think about the sloth, you're like it just requires too much planning and energy. I think I'll just grab an app, you know, that sort of thing. Um, But but the the proverbs reminds us that one who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. And it's easy to see how some of these other traits can can bring destruction to a family or a culture. Anger is one of them. It's easy to see that in in a villain, especially in a Disney villain, how that could destroy a family or a nation or greed. It's easy to see how that can be a very destructive sin. Lying, it's easy to see how that could be a destructive sin, sin. But one who is slack in their work is actually a brother to those destructive tendencies. Why? And I think to understand the why, you have to go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. In Genesis 1 and 2, God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates the man and the woman. And their role in the garden is not to nap all day and engage in leisure. Their role is to work. And their role is to take care of the garden. This was part of God's plan. So listen, hard work was not part of the destructive nature of sin when it enters into the picture in Genesis 3. Right? Work, work was not the product of sin. Difficult work is the product of sin. Thorns and thistles are the product of sin. So in two weeks when you're weeding your garden, you remember that, right? The devil did this to you, right? The devil made this hard. But work and engagement has been a part of God's plan forever, that there would be people, part of our role as human beings, is that there would be people working and caring for and giving attention to God's creation. And so it's true, once sin entered the world in Genesis 3, what, what happens is it makes this even more important let me put this tr- uh, truth on the screen for you that God has tasked us as human beings with the role of working for and caring for and giving attention to His creation. And this is why this is part of the reason why this is so important to God. Left unto itself, without attention, without work, without effort, because of sin, this world will only be a shadow of what it was created to be. We need workers, we need culture uh, uh, shaping people that are putting in effort and caring for and giving attention to God's creation. So listen to me. You are not just a parent. That may be your job, but you are not just a parent. You are a worker created by God and giving attention to your task of moving your child forward in God's plan, in terms of God's plan for their life. You are not just a nurse or a doctor. You are a worker giving attention to the task of caring for God's creation when they are at their lowest. You are not just a factory employee. You are a worker giving attention to the task of creating a product that betters the life for other people as they serve their God. You are not just a teacher. You are a worker giving attention to your task of educating young minds for the glory of God. I'm trying to cast a bigger vision than just I go to my nine-to-five job. No, we are workers Created by God, caring for, giving attention to, time and treasure, to making God's creation all that it can be. So have you ever wondered, why does God care about this? He cares about it because he has initiated, given, tasked human beings with an initiation to do this work. To care for and give attention to and to make his creation all that it can be. And your work matters. But God also cares about it because he cares about you. He designed you with a contribution in mind. He created you with work in mind. Let me show you what the Apostle Paul says. We'll leave Proverbs here. I'll show you what he says in Colossians 3, because I think it adds some clarity to what we read in Proverbs. Whatever you do, work at it all, uh, work at it with all of your heart, as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as reward, it is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. The text will remind us that our primary identity is actually not our work. We easily fall into this in the United States, right? Who, uh, you know, can you tell me about yourself? The very first thing we say is what we do for a living. No, Paul says, you work for the Lord. Later he will say, it is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. Work is at best a secondary identity. Your primary identity is that you are in Christ. He is your Lord. He is your Savior. He is your King. So on on this Mother's Day, I want to remind you of that. That mothers, it is a huge part of your identity. But your primary identity is that you are in Christ. Your identity is in him. And so in terms of work, we see people go to two extremes when it comes to this. The first is the workaholic who can't stop working. They have forgotten that their boss is the Lord, that he is the king of all creation. So they buy into a spiritual lie. The workaholic has bought into a lie that all of this is dependent on me. And so they work long hours. They try to make it happen. They close the deal. They're on the phone all night because it all depends on me. If I don't make it happen, it doesn't happen. And Paul says, no, no, no. You work for the Lord. You work for the Lord. So do it with all of your heart to be sure. But remember him. This is the purpose of the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is very, very hard for the workaholic. Because the Sabbath day is God's attempt to remind us it is not all dependent on you. So work for six days, and on the seventh day, rest from all of your work. Why, God says, because I want to remind you that this is not all about you, and it's not all on you. Stop believing that lie. And so on the Sabbath day, we enter this place, and we worship God together, and we remind ourselves it's not all on me. It's not all dependent on me. I serve the Lord. He is my master. So, to the teacher who is burned out, to the businessman or woman who is stressed out, to the parent who doesn't know how to shut it off because there is no Sabbath for you, you are not alone. It is not all dependent on you. You have a God who is with you leading you, helping you, and empowering you. Don't believe this lie that places you at the center of the universe with your kids or in your work, that if it's going to happen, it's going to happen because I've made it happen. It is a lie. God is with you, helping you, empowering you. You are not alone, and it's not all dependent on you. He's there. He is your king, and you serve him the slothful person goes into the opposite direction. They have no identity at all when it comes to their work and contribution, and they too have believed in a lie that says, man, it is all. none of it is dependent on me. It's a spiritual lie that God's got this, so I don't need to do anything. And spiritually, this isn't as untrue as I've got it all. Now listen, God's got it all to be sure, but he invites us into the story to contribute and to work. So God calls Abraham to leave, He calls David to be king. He calls Esther to confront. He calls the disciples to follow him. God calls us to contribute. He does his part to be certain, but he calls us into the story to do our part. It's not everything, but it's something. And listen, your work contributing identity, it does not need to be your day day job. It is great when it lines up that, that way, when what you feel God has called you to contribute this world is the same way that you receive your paycheck, but maybe you have a day job that just pays your bills, and your true passion is your volunteer work. That's okay. It's good. The slothful person doesn't have a work identity at all. So let me say it this way. They don't have a contribution they feel called to make to embetter creation, to work for, care for, and lean into God's creation so that this world can be everything God created it to be. We're all called to contribute to that. So sometimes the sloth has an identity, a problem with their identity, that's keeping them from contributing They have an identity that is focused on their own entertainment. Or sometimes they have an identity that is just not true. I've heard people say things like, I am a loser, not worthy of making a contribution. Or they'll say things like, God could never use me. What I contribute doesn't matter. And I want to remind the sloth today. No, no. God has gifted you. He has empowered you. And he has called you to lean into your family, to lean into your work, to lean into this culture and to do work that matters, to contribute, to serve, to give, to to, to put effort in. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when you lean into this part of who God created you to be, you you will be so glad that you did because you were made for more than entertainment, to be entertained. You were, be, you, were made more for than, you were made for more than leisure. You were made for more than sitting around. You were made. God had a contribution that he desired for you to make. And when you lean into that, you begin to fall, uh, you begin to find life. The other thing this text reminds us of from Paul when it comes to our work is that our reward comes from God. Right? And this gets to some what becomes less than ideal motivations when it comes to our work. That I work because I'm appreciated or I work because I'm rewarded. I work because it pays well. And I get all that. Honestly, I, I, I do. I hope you're appreciated at your work. I hope you're well paid. I hope you're rewarded. I hope your kids all day today, it's yes and amen, ma'am. But our motivation needs to be more spiritual than that. Because sometimes you're underpaid. Some of you are like, amen, brother. Sometimes I am, right? Some, some of you feel that way. Sometimes you're underpaid. Sometimes you're underappreciated. Sometimes your kids get up and don't care that it's Mother's Day. They are going to throw a fit regardless. And sometimes that happens, and Paul says, you need a motivation for your life and work that goes beyond those things. And so Paul says, here's what it is for me. Paul says, I work for the Lord. And he has gifted me and equipped me, and he has called me, and so I work diligently in his name. And he rewards me. He rewards me. And I don't know how he's going to reward you. I know he will in the life to come for sure. But my prayer for you moms out there is when you feel underappreciated and you're like, it's Mother's Day. Why are you throwing this fit? Right? When when you're going through that, my prayer is that you can have this fantasy that someday comes true where your parents or your kids are sitting around you at Mother's Day. Like, Mom, we so appreciate the work you did. All the sacrifices you made all the work that you put in. I pray for that day for you. Until then, you work for the Lord. <laughs> you work for the Lord. And he's called you and he's equipped you and he's helped you. And some of you are going to go to work tomorrow morning and your boss doesn't appreciate you. You work for the Lord. Friday, you're going to get your paycheck and you'll be like, really? This is why I'm leaving my family? At? Really? You work for the Lord. You work for the Lord, and he will reward you. There are so many things that we see that Jesus changes and transforms. We see that he changes the way we parent, the way we relate to others, the way we live day to day and make decisions. What if he changes the way we work? We hardly ever talk about this. What if he changes the way we work? That we don't become workaholics, that's a mindset that forgets about him, but we also don't become sloths, That's a mindset that forgets about me. But it's a beautiful marriage between these two things of God's got it, he's in control, but he invites me into the story. And this beautiful marriage, you know what it makes? Diligent workers. Faithful workers. Workers that know they are working for the Lord. And appreciation might not come today, it might not come tomorrow, the the bonus might not be what you think it's going to be, but you work for the Lord and you're diligent in his name. So to, to all workers, which is all of us, I hope you find peace today in the truth that God is with you. He is present and empowering you. But I also hope that you find motivation, that God has invited you into the story. So work hard and contribute. And do the best you can. Because God has called you and equipped you with a role. What a beautiful marriage between two things. That God's got it, to be sure. But he has it by inviting me into the story. Part of the way he has it is by inviting me in. What a beautiful marriage between these two two things. That make beautiful, diligent, hardworking workers. Not those that trust in our work, but those that trust in the Lord. Now, for all the sloth passages... In the book of Proverbs, uh, at the very end of the book, we get this epilogue that lifts up the hard-working mom. And so I could not do, I could not do a Mother's Day sermon from the book of Proverbs without reading over you Proverbs 31. Because this is the antithesis of the sloth. This is the diligent, hardworking mom that knows they work for the Lord. And they know those little kids aren't going to bring appreciation today or tomorrow. Perhaps ever. But the Lord sees and the Lord empowers and you work for him. And so all this talk of the Sloth, the writer of Proverbs ends with Proverbs 31. This passage, it means so much to me. We read this at my mom's funeral. I was 17 years old when she died, and this was the passage that we preached on about my mom, and I want to read it over you. The wife of noble character. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships uh, ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions to her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, it better not yet this year, right? When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he makes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, we want to thank you on this Mother's Day for the examples of moms that are diligent and hardworking and know that they're working for you. That's when we, we get this messed up sometimes. And we think, oh man, I, I need validation or I need praise or I, or I need whatever the case may be. And sometimes it comes and it's good when it does. But other days, it is a slog, and we need to remember that we work for you. And our reward is from you. And I want to pray that over every mom here. Um, Right now, we're transitioning to our communion time, and we especially want to thank you for the work of Jesus. His work on the cross, his resurrection, that he brings us new life. And he didn't shy away from the work that you asked of him but instead he leaned into it and he did his job and he did his work so that we could be forgiven and set free and made new. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. We're going to receive communion together on this Mother's Day. It is an opportunity for us to remember the work of Jesus and that he leaned into that work so that we could have new life. And so we're going to pass it out. You'll find two cups stacked on top of each other. One has some bread representing his body. The other has some juice representing his blood. And just contemplate his work. Not yours, not the appointments you have tomorrow or the things you have this week. I'm going to contemplate his work over the next few minutes. And then I'll come up and we'll receive communion together as a church family. His body given for you. His blood poured out. Jesus, we thank you for your work. We thank you for your example uh, pray that um, as we uh, continue on in the day that we would um, remember our moms um, we would honor them and thank them uh, for their work it's in your son's name that we pray amen uh, we're going to close with all my song if you want to stand um, we have some cookies out uh, really for everybody um, grab a cookie uh, we used to do uh, a little rose and a uh, We uh, decided to move into sugar, and it seems more appreciated, to be totally honest with you. So we've we've kept doing it. Um, And so uh, grab a cookie on your way out, flour cookie. Uh, They're really, really good. And uh, moms, happy Mother's Day. I hope you have a great day. Let's close with one last song.